Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back to the podcast. We have one of the most fascinating um, spiritual unicorn of people that I've ever met in my life, Shanda Catrice. She's here today. Shanda is a certified energy healing practitioner, a spiritual mentor, and relationship coach with over 10 years of experience leading women through inner transformation and personal development. She has studied different spiritual traditions, philosophies, and healing modalities with master teachers from around the, around the world. And all in all, Shanda's just a fiercely compassionate truth teller and visionary who inspires women to live and love authentically. So I'm so excited to have Shanda here. Welcome to the party, Shanda. Thank you. I'm excited to be here as well. Yeah, I can't wait to dive in. So before we kick off this whole spiritual practice and using your, say, numerology and your intuition to figure out what the hell you should be doing with your life, I want to know how does one become a spiritual mentor? What was kind of phase one of your career? And I'm always curious, what did little Shanda want to be when she grew up? Well, I can start with what did little Shanda want to be? So um, little Shanda wanted to be so many th- different things. <laughs> I, for a while, I wanted to be a veterinarian, which is so crazy because I can't stand like to even look at blood or anything. <laughs> but I loved animals and as a child, you know, all you think about is, I love animals, I should be a veterinarian, you know? Yeah, veterinarian's so, <laughs> one of like five careers that little kids know about. <laughs> so yes. it's pretty standard. Yes. And so then um, after a while from there, I started to want to actually be the animals. So I would tell my <laughs> father that I wish I was a bird. I want to be a bird, you know, and he would try to explain to me, you know, <laughs> like, that's never going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shanda, you're on the wrong path here. <laughs> yeah, he was like... Okay, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to ever happen, you know, but um, so I, you know, we'll talk about numerology later, but I am, my life path is the five. And so people who are fives, they spend their entire life in this um, transition, they're free spirits, they seek freedom, they like novelty, they like newness. So I've had many iterations of careers, <laughs> but I'll talk about the one that I was in the longest amount of time and probably why. So every couple years, I always change jobs anyway, but I had one job for almost a decade. And that job was, I was working for the federal government and I had a top secret security clearance, which is, you know, knowing Shanda, I've always, I've always been creative. I have two fine art degrees, you know, I, you know, I write, I do all these creative endeavors. So looking at someone going into that creative, going into the government, my entire family thought I was nuts. <laughs> what were you doing? But so I got this government job through serendipity and synchronicity. And um, as one does, as one does. And I ended up getting this, um, you know, top secret security clearance. I was sworn in, you know, I was working for the federal government. I was a patent examiner. So I was in charge of approving or denying patents to people as big as like Apple or Procter and wow. Campbell. And, and I had that career for about 10 years. And so how does one become a spiritual mentor? Yeah. How does one go uh, from that is... secret clearance to spiritual mentor and healer? Yeah. Well, I do feel like I always was attracted to spirituality anyway. I just feel like I was born into that, you know, but I had this another, um, you know, serendipitous moment where a friend had invited me into to the movies and it was a movie to see the Celestine prophecy. And at the time it was like all the rage in the spiritual circles. <laughs> and I had heard about it, but I thought, yeah, I don't know about this, but she begged me, was like, I'll pay for your ticket. Just count me. I don't want to come by myself. And so I went with her and it was just, I mean, the movie was amazing, but it wasn't like the movie gave me this aha, you know, but it was just like, Oh, hmm, this is interesting. But what happened after that was that the the host or the facilitators of that showing, that screening, had invited me back to the spiritual center to basically start to learn about spirituality and come to the services and, and join a community. And I actually went. So the next day I went and then I had this major like, oh, 
you know, moment and, you know, seas parted and the <laughs> <laughs> clouds, you know, the sun rays yeah. came down. And I just felt this connection to the message, to the people. And my life just really started to unfold. And I um, started studying with different teachers and mentors. I found what I consider my spiritual family and my spiritual BFFs, <laughs> still friends with today. They became like the closest group of women that I've ever become close to. So it was like, there's a layer of intimacy that you can have, you know, as a woman to woman, but then there's another layer of intimacy that you have that's even deeper if you share the same spiritual beliefs. Yeah. So me and these women just really were so close and it was so beautiful. And at the same time, simultaneously, it was as if almost like I was being unplugged from the matrix or almost <laughs> as if I've been living in the dark or something or lights on dim and someone just like cranked it up. And slowly, every single day after that, I, I started to like hate my job. I started to feel like it wasn't aligned. I started to feel like there was something more that I was meant to do. And it got to a point where it was just so hard for me that I remember I was sitting at my computer and I would just cry. Mm. And I would just cry at a blank computer because I could not do this. Now, mind you, this job, I made um, over six figures. So I made multiple six-figure <laughs> salary. I worked completely at home, 100%. I did not have to check in. The only thing I had to do was turn my computer on every week for 15 minutes to get the security push. So basically, if there was a union, so I couldn't get fired. You can literally oh, man. not get fired from this job unless, I mean, it, it would take a year of not working to get fired. So there was job security. I had three months of vacation. So I'm just showing you how in our, you know, conventional world, that would be like a dream job. Right on I paper. Would, it's I checking all the boxes. Yeah, it's checking all the boxes, but inside I felt empty. Inside, I really started to feel that a part of me was dying. Mm. And I, I tried to just, just stick it out and say, this is a good job. You know, if you can even retire in this job, the retirement plan will get you to be a millionaire. You, oh my you gosh. So there, there was a pension? Yeah. So the pension, when you retire there, if you go full retirement, you will have exactly $1 million. So, so I was just like, you got to stick it out. You got to do it. And I, I couldn't. And what happens, I, I tried to do it. I tried to stick it out. I even started praying like, please, you know, creator, help me to stay at this job. And I started to get ill. I started to get sick. Mm -hmm. So I developed this autoimmune um, disorder and all of my hair started to fall out. Mm -hmm. And this is how intense it was that I was no longer in alignment with what I was supposed to be doing with my life. That Isn't that interesting how, how your body's just like, okay, fine. You're not going to listen to your brain. You're not going to listen to your heart. I'm going to screw you up now. <laughs> it, it, it is. And, and then so, so then I started to check out. I started to shut down. So I would literally spend most of the day laying on my couch, looking at the ceiling frozen because I just couldn't stomach life. And then I would just get up and do the job and cry and do it. And then when I was finished, I would just go back to the couch. And so my cousin, we went to this, um, like this fair, she, this center that she went to, they was having some kind of festival fair. We went and there I met this life coach and they were having like this auction where people were giving these services away and you can bid on them in auction. So I just saw her description and I was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll try this life coach. And this ended up being the most beautiful relationship. Mm. She actually helped me to change my life. And and, you know, it showed me, too, how much a life coach can help you, how much a mentor can help you. And she was also spiritual. So it was she was weaving spirituality into the coaching. And needless to say, when I was done with her, I sold my house. <laughs> I moved um, to San Francisco. I enrolled into film school. And um, shortly after that, I quit my government job. And wow. so, <laughs> yeah, so that actually was just like this catalyst moment for me to get into alignment with the truth of who I am. And what eventually I've ended up being a coach. 
what did what kind of wisdom did she give you or what did she say that made you feel confident making that leap because clearly you fought against it for a while so do you feel like it was just having somebody else give you permission or show you that you're going to be okay or what was well, it I, I think it was it was two things it was one having someone um be a mentor for me and to help me achieve the goals i wanted to but then a lot of it was me really just making a decision to get off the couch mm -hmm. and so i feel like she was really effective because a lot of times we want to change our lives we think we need to go full throttle or all the way cold, cold, cold turkey <laughs> and a lot of time it's that's unrealistic especially if you have what they call the golden handcuffs which yeah. is a lot of people is that that good job you know right. and so too good um, to walk away from it's too good to walk away from but you're 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 a prisoner you know so what happened was she got my couch time down to an hour she told me that I could, <laughs> I didn't have to get rid of my shutdown avoidant time. She said, but now you only get to do it for an hour. You can go and you could do your hour. You can sit and you could stare at the ceiling for one hour a day, but you don't get more than an hour. All the other hours of the day, you have to start moving your life forward. Yeah. And then she tried to get me to quit my job, but I, I just, I couldn't. So what we did was I kept the job and I was able to work out um, a, a agreement with my um, supervisor that approved me moving to California and working from home. Mm -hmm. And so in, in over the next two years, I phased out the job. And, and I won't say phased out financially. It really was phased out emotionally. <laughs> I just started to more and more act as if my life, how would my life be if I no longer worked here? Mm -hmm. So that meant um, um, down and after this time I was on my own and because you know I've been studying um, spiritual practices for a while and doing different seminars and stuff so I had those tools inherently within me also she just gave me that boost so once I got to California I the rest was me so the next two years I phased it out I, I ended up downsizing this beautiful I had this beautiful apartment beautiful apartment it was on a lagoon it, it was like, it had its own garage. It was no- And this was in San Francisco or DC? This was in San Francisco because I had already moved to California. Okay. And so it was so beautiful. And I was thinking, there's no way I can give this up. But I, I said, what do you want more? You know, do you want fulfillment? Do you want alignment? Do you want this juicy life? Mm. And so I, and this is another thing that happened. I tapped into that intuition and I said, intuition, guide me, guide me to the place that will not feel like it's a sacrifice and will not feel like I lost. And so I was guided to Oakland, which I did not want to move to because <laughs> everything I heard about Oakland was like, you know, it's, it's scary, stay away from there. And so I was guided there anyway, but then I found this little town called Rockridge. It is right near UC Berkeley. It is the most quaint, beautiful little strip of like a few blocks, shops, coffee shops. And, and if you know me, that's, that's my jam. Yeah. So coffee shops, boutiques, um, restaurants, you know, all these wonderful things. And I found an apartment that was right on that strip right on that block across the street was Trader Joe's one block was the BART Metro. So all these things. And then when I moved into that little apartment, my neighbors were amazing. So I had that beautiful apartment with the lagoon, but I didn't know my neighbors. I didn't know anyone. Yeah. When I moved into this new apartment, my neighbors, it was a community. My neighbors invited me over for wine. Mm. Uh, I had another neighbor who he started this uh, community, community garden and you can go and pick food, you can go pick dinner. And he would have dinners, community dinners for everyone in the neighborhood. And we would go over there. So, and they were all people that were aligned with my beliefs. They were aligned with spirituality. They were aligned with contributing to the world and, and, um, and, and vegetarianism and being eco-friendly and environmentally friendly. I didn't, I could not plan this. Yeah. This is me surrendering and listening to the intuition. So the place I moved to was smaller, <laughs> you know, and it was in Oakland, which I was afraid of, but <laughs> it ended up being in many ways, intrinsically, a better apartment. So this is the key here. The other apartment extrinsically was the, the better apartment, 
But this apartment intrinsically was the apartment that to this day, I still talk to these people on Facebook, Mm. you know, and that was like now about seven years ago. So you see how when we shift our lives to that intrinsic feeling, then let that lead us. We will have more fulfillment and contentment and happiness and joy versus choosing only extrinsic happiness and fulfillment. And I don't really feel like, think you can be fulfilled extrinsically, but happiness. But that's what's so funny is I think most people lead with the extrinsic, extrinsic, like, um, philosophy. They like look for the thing that looks good on paper. They look at, you know, the job that has the fancy perks that they think they should want. They often lead with that instead of what intrinsically is going to make them happy. Um, because a lot of people don't take time to think about what actually would make them happy. Not what they've been told will make you happy or feel successful or feel fulfilled. Sometimes the stuff that makes us happy and feel fulfilled, we already have, or we have something really close. We're not like 10 years of hard work off. We're just a couple, if any. So that's And, And also, you know, Bailey, I think what I also teach my clients also is when you start to call in or attract or manifest anything in your life, or you want to start to change any area of your life, you should do this little practice where I call is like the, um, like I would say like the, <laughs> the why behind the what. So mm-hmm. it's like, if I want, if I want money, then why? Right. Why do what are you going to do with it? <laughs> what am I going to do with it? So if I like this apartment, I like this job, why? What is it going to make me feel like? What do I hope and wish for it to make me feel like? So for instance, for me, I found out why that other apartment made me feel so good because I need community. Mm. I need um, coffee shops and, and be in the mix of things. And, you know. and so that other apartment didn't even have all those things. So after the, the, the niceness of it, you know, wore off, I could still in, in, eventually a year down the line feel unhappy again. Yeah. The one thing that that apartment did have, and I realized that I now bring it to every place when I choose a place, is that that lagoon and all that made me feel serene and peaceful. Mm-hmm. So I like quiet. I like serenity. So I need places that are very quiet. So now I'm like, oh, I just need a quiet place, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, like a cute little community. Yes. You need like the outside and the inside call. I need the outside to be a community, but then my apartment to be quiet, you know? I'm so with you there. Yeah. yeah. I like being in walking distance to things and like being able to just feel like yeah. I'm in the neighborhood without getting my yes. car. Yes. And that's how it was. But in my house, I need it to be ah, my safe place. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're starting to make all these shifts. You found this apartment that's far more intrinsically rewarding than the one prior. You found a little community. Once you phased out the job fully, what was that transition like and, and how did this next phase start? Well, that, that transition, I will say, was very uncomfortable. Most <laughs> are. Like crossing the burning sands, you know, you, you got to have courage. You got to just do it. You got you to gotta be okay with the fear. So, you know, people say be fearless. I don't think that you can ever really get rid of fear. It's there for a reason. But what I think you can do is not be paralyzed by fear. Right, you use it. So use it. And you also can not allow, you know, not allow fear to stop you or convince you not to do something. Mm-hmm. So I think of fear is like working, your, working that courage muscle. It's mm-hmm. about building courage. It's about having a muscle that you can rely on to help you pull you or get you through, sometimes even push you through the fear. So I was in this apartment, you know, more serendipity. Um, and I was in film school at the time. And so I saw someone post that they needed a documentary filmmaking crew in Africa. And so at the time I couldn't go because, you know, I was working at jobs. So that would mean like, how could I go and spend a whole summer in Africa? But I was majoring in documentary film producing. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is this is what I should do. I got to do this. And they would pay for your room and board, oh your gosh. food, your transportation. You had to just pay for your flight. 
So I said, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to say, I'm going to apply. And if I get in, I got to go. And so I used another intrinsic reward as if, if I, if I get in and I take the plunge, then I have to quit the job. Mm. And so I just applied. I got accepted. I, they wanted me to go. And so now I was like, Oh, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. So I quit the job. Um, I, and I, I left in a month. So I gave the job a month's notice. And then I was thinking I have two cats. I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my cats? And so I just, everything just started coming to me when I, I tapped into my intuition and I, and then my sister at the time, um, she had lost her job at the time. So she was unemployed. So she said, I'll come, I'll house it for you. And I'll Perfect. take your cats, you know? So she came and she, and then my sister also is an HR director. So, um, in her previous job. So she said, you know what, just go to Africa and I'm going to just fill out all, I'm going to do all your paperwork for you. Cause leave, I'm going to tell you one thing, leaving the government, a federal government is not easy. You, you can't, you don't just oh. quit a government job. Okay. So I'll just say, I'll just leave that there for you. You, you can't. Wait, so quit. she handled all the crappy paperwork. Yes. Oh. Wow. She handled my 401k paperwork. She handled my pension. She handled um, getting all my equipment returned to the government. She handled getting my, cause my ID, um, had a, a computer chip in it. She had, um, returning my computer chip ID, everything, my exit paperwork, all of it, that entire thing, you know, she's my sister. So she knows my social security number. So, sure. you know, <laughs> and everything else about me. And I didn't do a thing. I, I boarded the plane. I went to Africa. I had an experience. And when she, when I came home and she picked, picked me back up, I, I was, I was free. And for me, what I did is I took, I cashed out the 401k, which I, you know, a lot of people may not do, but I was young at the time and I cashed it out. You know, I still had the pension, but I cashed it. I cashed out the 401k that, and it allowed me to the money that, because my savings plus my 401k money, I was able to live one complete year without mm. working. So I took that entire year to figure myself out and do self-discovery. And that is so fantastic. What I want to do in my life. And at the end of the year, I, I had a job and I worked that job until it no longer aligned. And I was called to be an entrepreneur and I quit that job, moved to LA and I am the person I am today. <laughs> Here we are. Mm -hmm. but, so you've said a lot of really good things in there. First off, we all need a sister like yours. <laughs> off, um, I think two things like the going away for a little while and coming back to a totally new scenario. It, I know it's not always possible. It's usually not possible, right? Mm -hmm. Most people hop, hop from one job straight into the next. I don't think I've ever had more than like a few days off between jobs when I worked for companies, but to be able to come back to a totally clean slate, that's gotta be really powerful. And then two, the being able to take a year and explore discover yourself, ask yourself questions. I'm sure you like signed up for a lot of different, you know, oh, workshops and classes and just, yeah. you know, absorbed everything about your new scenario. And I want it to be heard. You know, you save, you cash out your 401k, you used your savings. Like you didn't leap, leap and hope the net would appear. You leaped knowing you had a very good net below you. And I yeah. think people really need to hear that because of course, anything's possible. Um, but you have to plan for it. So and, and, yeah, and and I agree with that because I feel like um, everyone's situation will be different. Everyone may not feel comfortable cashing out their phone. Okay, I did it too you know, to, to yeah. make me feel better. Granted, mine was to attend like seven weddings. Yeah, <laughs> so that isn't exactly a soul searching mission. But hey, and you know, and, and I work for the government. And I work for a job that paid me a lot of money. So my right. cashing my phone one k out, it was enough money to live. Yeah, completely for free at my same standard of living for a year. Everyone may not have that also, but then people may have other situations. So you have to look at your situation and see what you got to work with what you got. Yeah. You know, I, I'm single. I have no partner. I have not married. I don't, you know, my parents were never in a position that could help me. So I all, my father died when I was young. And so, you know, my mom is, doesn't work. She never really worked most of my um, teenage life until my, you know, my, throughout my adult life. So she was never in a position to ever help me. I put myself through school, working three jobs, you know, there, are, everyone's situation is different. Yeah. So I'm just saying that if I can do that, you know, completely relying on me, 
solely reliant on myself, then there are situations where you can figure it out. And, yeah. and maybe it may not be for a year for you, but it could be a month. And, yeah. and that may mean that you save money. That may mean that you get a part-time job. That may mean that you pick up a side hustle or a side entrepreneurial business. You know, everyone can sell stuff on Etsy. Everyone can go through their house and sell furniture. Yeah. Everyone can do, you know, you can even work at Starbucks um, a week in a month to get extra money and you do that as long as it takes to to give you the space to connect to yourself and like from that year I knew the kind of life that I wanted it became clear to me the kind of life that would make that I would thrive in but I and I had to do in a sense you know what I call corporate PTSD <laughs> I had to get over a couple months of being conditioned from my environment which is corporate america and, and and also my social environment which is my family and my mm -hmm. friends you know and even my cultural background because mm -hmm. when you even if i can afford to live for a year everyone still wanted me to work yeah but it makes people uncomfortable it does everyone's like, like why don't you drink people are like but why are because they're you questioning drinking? themselves by yes. questioning you but and, and to know that and then people you know you have you have the the haters they say so you have the haters who are just like must be nice. Yeah. Must be nice. I wish I no. And then, you know, I would tell them, I would say, oh, it, yeah, it is nice. And if you want to get a job at the government, I can help you do that. I got I, an I in for you. Yeah, I, have in, I have an in for you. We can get you working there in a month if you want to work there. <laughs> and then it could be nice for you too. And they will always be like, oh, uh, no, no, like okay. I don't want to. Because life is a series of choices. And yeah. anytime people start to say, well, that must be nice. I can't do that. It's like, well, listen you know, the people that do these things, clearly you made sacrifices. Like you yes. were betting on future you having her shit together in order to make cashing out your 401k all right. You know, yes. you were betting on your future self being in more alignment with your life and what you were doing as a job. And that's what made it okay to take that big leap. And I mean, most people are not willing to be super ballsy when it comes to they're, their lives. And that's why I say you have to grow that, that courage muscle. So where in your life, and you can start to grow a courage muscle, very small, you know, mm -hmm. that, that could be like taking a, a class, learning salsa, you know, learning how to paint, doing something that's outside of your comfort zone builds the courage muscle. And yeah. then you keep upping that and upping it. So, so you start to get, get used to what it feels like to be afraid and do something anyway. And then you know, survive and, and survive. know that you're going to be okay. And also there's this sweet moment where it's almost like a runner's high. When you are afraid of something and you do it anyway, there's a moment in the doing that you get a runner's high. Oh, and it's yeah. kind of like even me beginning to start speaking, you know, publicly is terrifying still for me, but I feel in my heart, I want to do it. So I accepted, you know, the first speaking engagement I had this year was in front of 30 middle schoolers from six oh my gosh grade. hardest and crowd ever the hardest crowd ever because you know they're gonna tell they're in alignment with, with their emotions and yeah they don't and give a shit about your no. feelings <laughs> and their face is gonna tell you when they're bored they're gonna put their head down they're gonna like ask you whatever they want to ask and so i did this like oh you know how can i do it but there was a moment i was nervous and when i got into it there was a moment where i came alive and i felt like this is right this is a line. This is me. And I had a runner's high. And afterwards, the kids loved it. And the teacher loved it. And a teacher came up to me and she said, you know, I was inspired. <laughs> she was like, I was inspired by your talk. I know it was for them, but I was inspired. And just knowing that I could help change some kids' lives or just, if they never remember me, I planted a seed within yeah. them. And, and just doing that, it is better. The reward is better than anything you can imagine. And it outweighs that, that initial fear, which is only, you know, I had a mentor and he always told me that, you know, fear is only before when you're in, in action. So when you're in a state of inaction, there's fear. Yeah. The moment you take one action, you will see fear will go away. So fear is actually the thinking about something. Oh, you're totally right. It's the lead up. It's the build up. It's yeah. the anxiety it's of not knowing what's mm -hmm. going to happen. You're so right. I think the, 
that runner's high you mentioned when you're doing the thing you were scared of doing, that's what entrepreneurs are addicted to. Yeah. Like, yeah. There are so. the people that are like totally risk averse who are the ones that will stay at jobs for 20, 30 years because it just feels safer. Even though I always say it is, you got no security anywhere anymore. So good luck. I hope well, you, you don't, right, you know, but. but you know, and it was, and I, and I won't take away how it is hard, but it's possible. Because, you know, when I was at this government job, I made the most money of my entire life. You know, my life is not over. You know, I'm, 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 I am convinced I'm going to make way more money eventually. But I made the most money of my life. And, and this is going to be so deep. Well, like just feeling of deep, not necessarily intellectually deep. But I made the most money, more money than anyone else in my family had ever made. I had made, I made the more, more money than anyone in my immediate friend circle. And, and this is, you know, it's going to be slightly racial, but I am about raw truth, you know, so I'll tell you. And, and, and really, for a black woman, when I would go out, I made more money than most white women, which in our country is not really real. It's, no. you know, that's just something that doesn't happen. And so you got to think about the power that comes with that in our society. Mm -hmm. And in my family, I went from crazy quirky Shanda that no one listens to <laughs> that everyone thinks is half you know like nutty professor who <laughs> I went to the mate I became the matriarch of my family everyone deferred to me everyone would ask me everyone would look to me like well, what do you think Shanda and I'm thinking well we should do you know <laughs> xyz and I didn't want to give that up because you got to think about most of my life I was invisible most of my life, I didn't fit in because I was so quirky and creative. Most of my life, you know, I, I felt like I didn't matter. And then when I had money, all of a sudden, even men, even men were different with me. You know, so it was just like I had a certain power and a, a, a certain level of importance mm -hmm. and, and validation that the world that I was important because I had money, you know. Mm -hmm. And I realized that shifted. Because when I got into the spirituality, which is about intrinsic growth and expansion, my core priorities shifted mm. and, and not consciously because I didn't want them to shift. I mean, you know, I wanted to stay with the money, you know, sure. but unconsciously, which is my soul and my heart, it started to lead my life. And now I must say life, I, you know, I don't make that same amount of money yet. But I am able to sustain my life. I'm able to live the life that I want. And also, one thing I said, and I always tell my clients, my friends, my family members, that you can never, ever, I can never take back, is that right now, today, is the first time in my entire life of living, it feels right. Mm. My life feels completely, 100% authentic, aligned, and right and you cannot beat that feeling it is that means that the person that i want to be the person that i imagine myself to be i am damn girl <laughs> how do i get some of that no I, so i think if i was listening to this podcast right now i'd be like okay so go on how do i get that how do i feel in alignment how do i you know cuz of course there are, there are levels of of braveness and of um, courageousness mm -hmm. across everybody, right? Not everybody is willing to walk away from the golden handcuffs or hell, even like bronze, silver handcuffs. <laughs> like for some people, just the idea of finding that thing that aligns best with them and then just going for it is crazy enough but, to question. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, it's not about being an entrepreneur. Oh no. So and I'm glad key, you said yeah, that. Because is like, that is not alignment. So yeah. Shanda, my signature is the most aligned thing for me in this moment is to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I could change. Because you know, at one point in my life, when I first started out of college, I wanted to be a corporate exec and I became one. So mm -hmm. that, at that moment, that was aligned. And so this is what we're so used to in our society of everything being static and fixed. Right. You so, figure out your purpose and then and you're, you're done. done. You're done. You know, nope. <laughs> alignment is day by day, moment to moment. It is rechecking in and checking in with yourself and making sure you're, it's just in service to self. It's in service to the truth, in service to who you are. And you do this forever. 
I told you when I was a child, I wanted to be a veterinarian. I would never want to be a veterinarian now. At one you point, still want to be a bird. <laughs> Uh, Cause, sometimes because I'm living there <laughs> sometimes sometimes I want to be a bird but you know so you're saying everyone will not need they will not have to be an entrepreneur but guaranteed if they're listening to this podcast they probably will have to walk away from the life they currently have they probably will have to make some changes and I told my cut co- my cousin who was I was giving an intuitive reading to her yesterday she was in LA for one day and I gave her a reading and I told her that there is someone you want to become, this new person you want to co- become, this new life. And she was, there's parts of her life she didn't want to let go. So she wanted to move to LA and she didn't want to sell her furniture. She had this our house furniture that she said that for her was like, like my aha, my me. And that patent office, that furniture was for her. Like she said, she paid it out, you know, in cash. And it was like the it was most- like a source of pride and happiness. Yes. And for her, when she let that go, it was depression and- I'm losing everything. Mm. So I said that our house furniture, anything extrinsic can be recreated a thousand times. Yeah. I was like, you can go and live a new life. And when you get your money back, you can go buy, believe it or not, you can go buy that exact bed, exact <laughs> model over again. You know? But I said, but what you have to realize is that everything in your life as it is now, the things you're doing right now, the things you're creating has created the life you have now. The person you are now sustains the life you have now. If that is a line, if that is okay, if that's what you want, then that's great. But if it's not what you want, you're going to have to become a new person. And that new person means that some of those old things may have to get let go. And, and it also means that everything in your life will, must get upgraded will have to move on. That mm-hmm. means your relationships. That means the things, even down to the way you decorate your house. Because when I moved to LA and became a, a, um, a coach, the way I even design and, and want to express in my clothing is changed. Mm-hmm. Because if you spent your whole life working in corporate America, wearing corporate dress, is yeah. that really the way you want to express as yourself? Yeah, doing a meditation in corporate attire is not exactly easy. No, it's not. <laughs> and then even your relationships, they don't have to go away, but they have to be upgraded because the person that you're with now is used to the old you. So it's going to have to be some tweaks. Mm. You're introducing a new you. Well, and I think something to note here is all of this doesn't happen, have to happen in one day. No, it does, and it, it can't. It can't. <laughs> That'd be crazy. In one day. It can't, but it must happen. And so, you know, I'm always about no nonsense, raw truth, and I will tell it to you straight up, no chaser, in a most loving way, because people want to, they want to compromise, they want to negotiate. You, there is no negotiation with truth. There is no negotiation with ali- soul alignment. Either you are or you're not. Either you're aligned with your soul or you're not. And so that means that you will have to give up. So the word sacrifice and in the etymology of it, I love etymology. It, if you go down, you know, go deep, deep, deep down to what the words mean, it means like an offering to mm. make sacred. Oh, I so like that. Think about sacrifice, that means what am I offering mm. to my new life? In exchange for exchange for this new life, better what, yeah, for something better. What am I offering? If that means my our house furniture, I'm offering up this furniture in exchange for a more aligned and authentic life mm. that makes me happy. <laughs> because stress is the number one killer. Yeah, being out of alignment will make your hair fall out. Like yeah. you know, <laughs> it'll give you ulcers. It'll give you ulcers, it'll and ultimately, I end up having gallstones so mm-hmm. it will give it will it will start to manifest itself physically in your body yeah stress is no joke okay so i'm on board yes. i want to be aligned <laughs> yeah. how do i how do i even begin because i think for a lot of people who have never truly sat with themselves listened to their gut listened to their intuition really ask themselves what they would want out of this life how do you even begin what's step 1 step 1 is finding yourself. And it sounds abstract, but it really is the only way you will ever get to that life and that happiness that you truly want. Mm-hmm. And I like to say ha- joy or fulfillment, because I do feel like we use happiness as our end all be all, but 
for me, happiness is really not an emotion. Mm. It's just like a surface level. So there is a tool that I use in my coaching practice. And there's a tool that, that is used in psychology and it's called the feelings wheel. And so you look at the feelings wheel and it's like these layer, these rings of feelings, and it helps you get to authentic feelings. Mm. So when you express yourself, you don't just say, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm happy. Got you it. get to go to the level so you'll know, I'm not mad, I'm not angry. I, you'll say, I feel overwhelmed. Um, I feel unseen, unheard. So you dig in. So, and, if you, and so all I have to say is that happiness is the first ring. Sure. So it covers a lot. Really an authentic emotion, you yeah. know, and it's fleeting. Like I always say this too, like if you had an ice cream cone, you know, or whatever, <laughs> insert whatever you like, uh, you know, a uh, Starbucks coffee or whatever. And donut. someone, you know, donut, someone intentionally or accidentally knocked it down to the ground. In that moment, you're not happy. <laughs> Damn right. But you can be content and fulfilled in your life. Yeah. So go for that content, fulfillment, joy, peace, mm-hmm. that really, really deep, you know, like meat and potatoes. I, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't eat meat anymore, but substantial, <laughs> hearty, stew type emotion, you know? Good stuff. So step one is find yourself. And how you do that may take a lot of digging because you've spent so many years kind of negating or betraying in many ways betraying yourself right. for money or for others or for whatever so it's going to take a moment for you to start to just simply ask yourself what do i like to do and i play this this or that when i have a choice between two things even start to do it with eating or dressing mm-hmm. i will look at food and say what feels better what makes my heart light up more what feels more expansive and like this pie or this cake <laughs> and so you can start to even on a very low level start to connect and feel what it feels like to listen to the heart mm-hmm. and so then start to see ask yourself what am I curious about what do I want to find out what is something that has been getting my attention that I've been too afraid to try like I said salsa traveling you know it could be um, bungee jumping it could be you know whatever you know start to do those things And you will start to find who you are. And you can also look into your childhood. You know, what did you like to do as a child? What kinds of things light you up? And then I also say, scan your life. And I had my client do this two weeks ago. Scan your life. I want you to pick one moment from your childhood that you remember as your happiest moment. Mm. And then you go into that moment and you describe why was it happy. And you go to your next moment, go to your early adulthood, and that could be, or you can go to, you know, teenage years, but I did like early, like teenage years, and you do that one, and then you go to your early adulthood, which would be college age, you know, 19, 20, 21, um, and then you look at that, and you say, what were my happiest moments, and you start to say, describe why were you happy, mm-hmm. and you will start to see a commonality, so my client saw then each part of her life, it was when she was, her and her family had traveled, to another country like Mm -hmm. Guatemala and they were like habitat for humanity or in service. So for her, the happiest moments of her life were when she was surrounded by a diverse culture and she's Mm -hmm. white. So she was in Guatemala. So she was surrounded by a a, a underserved or a a diverse culture and she was served in service to them and Mm -hmm. she was traveling. So we picked that out and she saw that for the last few years, her life involved none of that. Uh, at all in any way since she's been 30 and up you know something happens at 30 you know something happens it's almost like if you were in peter pan land they kick you out or something because at 30 <laughs> your card gets revoked <laughs> you get it gets revoked because something happens at 30 where you start to spend decades and don't even know when the last time you felt happy you know <laughs> i think so, you become aware you're like is this how i want to keep going because you've yeah. got about 10 years of adulthood under your belt at that point and you're like, yeah. wait, is this everything? Is this it? And yes. you kind of have that moment of you've had enough. You've probably at that point had enough instances where you've had to be courageous and you've survived and you've had enough, you know, dips in your career, your personal life, and you've survived. And so you're like, okay, I'm going to play with this a little bit and I'm going to try <laughs> and get closer and closer to something that I think feels good. But I want to go back to what you said before about the alignment changing throughout your life. And I think that is that is kind of the crux of what I talk about here with the one-year career 
make big moves with small steps. It's a framework. It's a philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's the way you go about continuing to be fulfilled, right? It's not a one and done thing, guys. This is a rinse, repeat forever process. And I think you call it alignment. Like it, it totally makes sense. And it's something that all of what we're talking about revolves around checking in with yourself Mm -hmm. and being honest with yourself as you are today, not who you were five years ago when you probably set out the plans that you're currently, you know, uh, like taking care of. So, so even to say, I spent four years in film school and I'm not a filmmaker. So let's just say, you know, when I sold my house and moved to California, I was convinced Shanda was going to get an award for filmmaking. I'm going to be a filmmaker. And now I'm a spiritual teacher, coach, mentor, mentor. And so it is that, and, it, and also be willing to let go of the parts of you, let go of the dreams that no longer fit. So I did go to film school. I did spend a lot of money to go to film school. And a part of me is like, oh, no, damn it. You, you're going you're gonna to be a filmmaker. <laughs> but I have to let that go because this is, I have to be in service. So this is, you know, people talk about that self-love out there now. This is what true self-love is. Being in commitment and service mm. to my inner truth. And as I do that, it will change. It's mm-hmm. guaranteed to change. And that means that life will change. Now, it may, some people could change every year. Some people may change once a decade, once every 20 years. I'm ready to slow down on the change front. I was (laughs) once a year for a little while there. (laughs) But you, it's a reward. You know, it's, 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 something is happening and it may change once a year because you're still not aligned. Mm -hmm. Cause I do think when you really get in that true alignment, it stays for a while Mm -hmm. because it's something you're supposed to do. Like right now I, I started being a coach, like, professionally you know not just like me saying I'm a coach like actually taking clients and having a website and everything since 2015 so now you see how it's sticking it's 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 staying there and it's not really shifting now the brand my brand is shifting sure but you know but the the theme the like the meat of it the potatoes and the stew is staying the same and consistent and I want to share this with you too as what you were saying, like what other tools can you use to find yourself and to align is one of my woo-woo tools, tools that I use that help me a lot and helps a lot of my clients is numerology. I love numerology. I mean, I love it all. I love embracing the astrology, the numerology, the Enneagrams. I like all of it Mm because it's just data points about yourself. It is. And so I say like, so number one is, you know, like find yourself. Number two, I will say, we're going to call like um, resonance. <laughs> and then maybe number three is get the, stool, the, get the tool, the spiritual tool, or get your tools or tool back. So two is resonance. I do believe resonance above all else is what you should always listen to. Mm-hmm. That's going to be alignment with that intuition. That, and resonance feels like love. It feels mm-hmm. like truth. Now, resonance doesn't always feel good. And happy. See, that's interesting. People teach resonance always will feel good. Sometimes resonance will feel scary. When I had to move, when I was moving to that new apartment, it felt scary. But at the same time, I knew I had to be here. When I moved, when I went and took that trip in, in Africa, that felt like, oh, you have to go to Africa. You have to go. But it felt scary. Yeah. So you see how you can also have, re- there's moments when I feel resonance where it feels completely beautiful and aligned and happy and fuzzy and warm and hmm. unicorns. But then there's times where it feels just so utterly scary, but utterly right. So resonance is rightness, truth, alignment. Hmm. You want to always look for that. So then three would be getting that spiritual tool. Cause I am a spiritual coach. I love woo. And I do feel like you got to combine conventional with the unconventional and he gives the whole pie, you know? Yeah. So spiritual tools. And that's where you go to number two. Find a spiritual tool that you feel the most resonance with. Ah. Sometimes when my clients don't understand what resonance means, I will say, which one do you feel the most curiosity or intrigued by? I think curiosity is such a solid way to get closer to figuring out just about anything. I mean, I, I use it with careers all the time. When you think about what you should be doing next, it's like, well, what are you, what are you insatiably curious about? What would you what would you read about without having to for work or for school? What would you, what do you just want to learn more about just for the hell of it? And then that's such a good indicator as to what you would do, you know, for free, basically. Yeah. You can get paid for that, then hell yeah. 
And then also stick with the tool until, until you get the fruit, until you get the reward. Because a lot of people will do a tool and they say, this doesn't this isn't tell me anything. This, this is stupid. It means nothing. But you haven't really worked it enough to get the result. Go deep with it. Go deep with it. So I would say do everything until you get to your hell yes or hell no. So okay. I think <laughs> so, that's good life advice. Yeah. So like do something until you get to the hell yes or the hell no. But not the hell no, I'm scared. Okay. The hell no, this is not me. Mm, that's such a hard It's line. a hard one. Such a gray zone because that's actually something I struggle with a lot is knowing the difference between being nervous about something because I just don't have all the answers or the details about it, which is just, that's just fear in general versus knowing or not wanting to do something because it feels like it's not something I should do. Yeah. And I have have an answer for that. I have a a very quick, easy answer. That used to be me too. And so I'll get to like a a quick little dating story of how I got to this answer. So um, a few, a couple of years ago, I was dating this guy and, you know, he was attractive. We had a really good, chem- you know, physical chemistry. And I, you know, I was just like, but it's so many things in his life that just didn't add up. And I was just thinking, man, this, this is not, this relationship is not right. It's not it, you know? And so I would go and tell all my friends about the relationship and just keep telling them about it, you know? And so my one friend was like, well, why are you still, you know, with him? Like, <laughs> you know, why don't you want, why don't you just end it? And I was thinking, Cause I don't want to be alone, you know? Ah. And so then she was like, well, is that a reason to be with someone? Mm-hmm. And so I thought about it and I said, okay, wait, am I with this person for the fear of something or for the love of something? Mm-hmm. So then I really started to just look at that relationship and I realized I was not with this person because I wanted to be with them. Mm-hmm. I wanted to share my life with them. I wanted to experience life with them. I wanted to know them. I was with them because I was afraid of being alone. Mm. So the fear of being alone was the reason why I was like, you know, like I'm going to stay in this relationship or I was like, hell yes, you know, yeah. or not because I wanted to, not because of love of something. So when you get into that point where you're wondering if, if my hell no, is am I afraid or is it really my authentic no? You have to ask yourself, is my reasoning for, for saying no because I am afraid of some result or is it because I want something else? Right. You see? Yeah. No, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I'm getting there. It's just, you know, ongoing life lessons, right? Learning to yeah. trust what's intuition versus fear um, it's hard. Because okay. even like, yeah, what was it? Even like when I was left the job too that time, left my government job, I didn't want, I didn't, I didn't want to leave the job because I was afraid of not having right. money. You were afraid of the alternative, even afraid. though you didn't know what the alternative was. But I went to Africa. I was afraid to go to Africa, but I went to Africa because I wanted mm-hmm. to have this amazing experience you see so i was actually being led by the heart because the true reason for going is that i really wanted this experience because it was a hell yes it was a hell yes Mm. okay so i want to wrap it up and end on the numerology note because i'm just such a fan and i think it's so interesting um so if somebody were going to look up their numbers which we'll link in the show notes you know a way to do that where does one look in their numbers to help guide them towards something that perhaps is going to be, you know, career-wise, help them be in alignment with what they really want? So, yeah, you have about, you have like five core numbers, but I'll just tell you the four core and I'll tell you the two that you want to look at to really understand your soul path or your soul purpose. So, and I always say live the purpose because people get so stuck on that finding a purpose too. So this will help you understand what you should be living. I think so, that's a really important distinction. And I yeah. hate the whole find your passion, find your purpose, because inherently that sentence find is an action verb, right? So it's like that implies that you're just going to always be looking, right? It doesn't tell you what to do with it once you find it. And so living it, I think just makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. And it also it, it allows you to then continue to discover new purposes. And, 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 continue. and you have alignment. multiple purposes, you know, totally. but you will have a theme. So the, so the way numerology works, it is cut and dry. So think of it as 
you do have one theme of your life. <laughs> you know, you have a theme, but you'll have many ways that this is expressed and experienced. Mm. So there is, you have, you know, your main number, which is a life path number, which is similar to the astrology, like Cancer, Gemini, you know, mm -hmm. Taurus. Like your sun sign. Yeah. And then you have um, what I like to call the soul urge or heart's desire number, which is very important too, because this number is like your secret desire. <laughs> mm. This is the thing that when you, if you know your purpose, like this is the kind of thing is like when you pick a job, say if I got that Google job, but I secretly need to work at home or I secretly need to work, you know, that's what that heart desire is. Mm. It's the thing that you got to remember that even if you do your purpose, you're going to always need this thing because it's still not going to work unless you have that thing. But the two numbers that I want people to look up and, and calculate for themselves would be that expression number or destiny number. That is the number that tells you what your path is. So the life path number is who you are. It's like the sun sign. The expression number, or is sometimes called a destiny number, that's who you are to become mm. in this lifetime. So... Mm. And then the next number after that will be the gift number. That is the day you are born. So even right now, as people are listening to this podcast, the day you were born, like I'm born on 21st, and then you add the numbers since they get one single digit. Mm -hmm. So two plus one will be three. So my gift number is three. And that means that the three represents um, communication, creativity, self-expression. So these are things that you're good at naturally. That's my talent naturally. And those are things that are here to help me carry out mm. my purpose, my destiny, my expression. Mm. So back to that expression number, like we could do yours. God did yours a while ago. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did my chart together. So it's mm -hmm. funny, my expression number and my soul urge number are both nine. Yes. And my gift number is six. Yes. So your expression number, which is a nine, means that ultimately nines are here to be humanitarians. They are here to basically become humanitarians, mm -hmm. to make a large and great impact on the world, to make a large contribution. So a lot of their life is about being in service mm -hmm. and, and having this, facilitating a big change and a change that actually elevates and shifts and heals and uplifts humanity. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what they want. And so for you, since you have, when you have double numbers, it's really important because I have double three. So my gift is a three and my purpose is a three. So you That's see, pretty well aligned. It's really, it is. Does that point you towards government work? <laughs> and no, it didn't <laughs> at all, you know? Surprise, <laughs> totally surprise. Totally opposite, right? <laughs> so yours, um, you have double numbers. So you have two nines, which, so a lot of times in your life when you don't feel aligned or a thing you feel you get down, kind of down or you feel like things are off, it's because you may not see how this is contributing to the big picture. Totally. The jobs where I've been most unhappy, I have felt like what I did did not matter. Yes. And you that see? was death. <laughs> it was That's painful, awful misalignment. So for you in every job that you have or every job you do, every position, every career, it must matter. It, you must see how it's mattering to, as a big picture. So that means for you, you got to see what you're doing and how it matters to the whole company, to the whole well, corporation. You know? And it's so true. Like even with this podcast, I've said multiple times, if people aren't liking it, if they're not listening, I'm just not going to not do it because I don't do anything just to do it. I do it to be of service or to provide right something for other people. Otherwise I'll just do something else. That'll be beneficial. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. So, and you can like calculate all these numbers. We'll put the chart, um, how you do it in the actual show notes. And then, so talk about the gift number. So I have a six. So if I'm mm -hmm. a six gift number and both a life expression and a soul urge number is a nine, how do we smush those together? Okay. So your gift number is a six. And I mean that gifts here, they're natural nurturers they are natural healers. They are here to be in service, but more to their communities and also to their family. So they're here to be, so that you can combine that where you have this natural affinity and gift to be of service, to heal, to, to create in a way that people can feel like loved and welcomed and healed. And they can come to you when they want this healing, when they want 
encouragement, when they want, they just need that soft space to be. So then that's your gift. And so you add that with, that's the perfect gift to be with humanitarianism because this means that you are already in service to others. You're in service to a community. And then this humanitarianism want to take that and even just blow this up even bigger. So you see how you are the right person to carry that out because that's your natural innate gifts mm. to be someone of service, to be someone that can help people heal. Yeah. That can help I'm a- people create, you know, better lives for themselves. That's the whole goal. Yeah. <laughs> and to your point about the alignment shifting frequently, if you're still not quite there, I can attest to that. I mean, the last seven years since I moved to California, almost eight at this point, um, were a lot of tweaking. It was like, okay, well, I'm going to try this. Eh, almost, mm-hmm. but not quite. I'm going to try this now. Almost, but not quite. And it was a lot of years of almost, but not quite. And it wasn't until a couple years ago when I went out on my own and I started building the career experiment originally and now the one-year career and my collaboration business that I have felt fully aligned with what I'm doing. And every day feels like an exciting adventure. And I just feel like, yeah, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And that does not mean there, there are not days where I'm frustrated and things are difficult and I'm stressed out. That of course is still going to happen because we Mm -hmm. don't live in, you know, Candyland here. Like we still have the externalities of the world coming at you, but overall, if somebody knocks down my ice cream cone, I'm not going to fall apart. Yeah. And that's what you get. Like, I think the more alignment you're, you're, you are, the larger your capacity to deal with other life. Yeah. You know, when I was the government job, I had a short fuse, like seriously, like I could not deal with much. Oh man. The job I hated, I almost started crying every day by 10 30 AM because I was just angry and mm-hmm. frustrated. And when mm-hmm. I get mad, I cry, which is the worst thing ever. Cause people stop paying attention. They're just like, Oh, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm fucking mad. <laughs> yeah. I get, I, you know, that happens a lot with women. I, uh, I, I do feel like when I get mad, when I get really furious, I cry because I, you know, I really actually feel like, you know, we can go on a tangent in this, so I won't go into it, but I do feel like the reason why that happens with women is that we live in a society that, it's not okay for women to express anger. Mm. So your anger doesn't flow freely. So to- evolutionarily, your body's like, cry. They'll listen to you if you cry. But no, but actually because it has to get oh, out. So you're, you're going you're gonna to blow up. So the emotion must flow out of your body. And the quickest way to do it is the least resistance. And since women naturally, they don't really feel, a lot of women don't feel a lot around crying. So that's the easiest emotion for it to flow out. And it just goes out there, you just know, let me out of your body. Let me out, <laughs> you know, out tear ducts. <laughs> it has to, it has to get out. Cause you know, um, whenever you're angry, it creates toxins in the body. Yeah. It's not good. Or I was not a happy, good person. I'm sure you felt a lot of that in your, I was, I, I, I definitely was not happy. <laughs> you know, I was comfortable. Sure. A lot of that good doesn't mean anything. things, but I, I was not happy. I was not joyful. I was not even a pleasant person to be around, you know? I can't even picture that version of you. I know. <laughs> yeah, you it's know, so ask, ask the boyfriend I had for three years. You'll <laughs> tell you like this. No, she, she wasn't. No, I can concur. She sucked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I so, would come sometimes. And I, like you said, I would just be so angry. That, yeah, you let it bleed into your prayer. You can't help it. We're humans. Everything yeah, is yeah. everything. My your relationship. Job, your work, or your life. So if you're listening to this now and you're starting to be like, oh shit, I think I'm out of alignment. I think I need to start on the path. Just know that like nothing happens all at once. Seriously, go back to the one year career philosophy, make big moves with small steps. That big move could be in the next year, getting a job that feels in alignment with who you are and and what you actually want to be doing with this life. If you want to use numerology to help give you a leg up and figure out, okay, fine, help me start somewhere and start doing the Shanda's this or that, you know, activity, which I love, I'm going to start doing, um, then I think you'll be that much better off than you were when you listened to this originally. So Shanda, I could talk to you for hours and hours because I think you're just this magical, otherworldly, amazing woman. And um, everything you say is what I need to hear when you say it. So I can, you know, concur. You are on your aligned (laughs) path. You are doing what you should be doing. And and you guys, if you have a chance to work with Shanda, I highly recommend it. We'll link to everything about her in the show notes. But just get out there and start being aligned. Just stop being so unaligned, you guys. <laughs> Life is just better. I promise. Yeah. And, and take that one step. Because, you know, I feel like, 
like you were saying, I, I, I feel like for into the universe creator, whatever you call, you know, something higher than you, just that first action, that first inspired action sends out almost like the big bang, you know, so to speak, for the universe. It's like it your starts. new universe has just now begun to be created. Yeah. So that's so important too. Just that first little bitty thing, little bitty step has such a big impact on everything that's coming next. Yeah, so maybe make a, a baby sacrifice. A baby sacrifice. So not sacrificing a baby. Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Not what we're proposing. Not what we're talking about. Just like all. a little something that shows like, no. okay, fine. I'm in this. Let's do it. I love it. It is. And it'll, do, it'll, it'll definitely change your life. And you know, like you said, remember, it took me two years to leave that job. <laughs> oh, <laughs> not saying, that could sound bleak to some people, but, but it wasn't. It was two also, years. Also, what is two steady. years? You know, we're steady moving, you know, seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Shanda, this was amazing. Thank you so much. Everybody definitely check out everything we link to in the show notes. You will not be sorry. We'll see you next time. Bye.